1: Hey, everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. Let's file this under-emergency podcast, um, as I think, unless you are uh, you know, living in a cave somewhere. If you are a sports fan, you know that Vince Scully passed away last night. Um, unquestionably the greatest baseball broadcaster of all time. In my opinion, the greatest sports broadcaster of all time. And then I think you really should extend it further probably on the Mount Rushmore list of the greatest American broadcasters of all time and whoever else you want to put up there with Edward R. Murrow, Cronkite, etc. Um, the guest for this emergency podcast is Joe Buck. And there really, um, are really are a few people who I think would be better situated for this kind of emergency broadcast. Just, I mean, I don't really have to introduce Joe Buck. One, he's been on this podcast many times. Two, you know who he is. But let me, just to give you his baseball background, Joe Buck called 24 World Series, 22 MLB All-Star Games. It's a local radio intelligence announcer for the Cardinals from 1991 to 2007. His dad, of course, is Jack Buck. So Joe Buck is really like sort of one of the linear connections to Vince Scully and can truly understand the impact that someone like Vince Scully had given how many national games that Joe has done himself. Obviously, you also know that in March of 2022 – he signed with ESPN. He and Troy Aikman will be the broadcasters for Monday Night Football. We'll have those conversations at another time. And really pleased to be joined by Joe Buck. Joe, thank you. It's a, it's a sad day, but I but also a day I think we want to honor Vince Scully. So thank you for uh, popping on real quick.
0: Yeah, no, I, I and first of all, I agree with everything you said uh, regarding where he sits or stands uh, among the greats of all time and you you're right to not limit it to just sports um he is you know everybody does the mount rushmore thing but but he is for broadcasting history on it um for a lot of different reasons and i was just talking with my mom about vin um on my way back to do this emergency podcast and sit down at this uh, desk and and hop on with you and just kind of going through it and and going through some of the statistics let alone some of the personal anecdotes that i have about him um you know i i the the one thing i don't want to do and and i will do even though i don't want to do uh is is make it personal because i i feel like everybody kind of hijacks these moments and makes it about them somehow and it's not about me and it's not about my dad but it is hard for me to think about somebody who gave 67 years of his life to an organization into a sport uh and not think about my own father. So I that's my disclaimer at the top. Uh when the comparisons creep in because these are their own men and and I'm not uh it has nothing to do with my dad. It has nothing to do with me. But I, I was fortunate enough to to be around him a lot as a little boy. Um and then as I guess some kind of contemporary in some ways. Uh so uh, it, it, it had a lot of my own thoughts of, of my dad's passing kind of flooding back over me, which happened 20 years ago.
1: Well, I appreciate the disclaimer and I'm the one who asked you to come on and invited you. So I'm sort of creating that connection so that that's me who did this and not necessarily you volunteering, but let's start here because I think this is just an important, um, thing to give the listeners like a sense of place. W- when, when did you first meet Vince Gully? When did he come into your orbit?
0: Well, I mean, could I pick the the day? No, and I know that's not what you're asking me, but if I was everywhere that i that I was with my dad when I was a little boy, I, I had to have come across him when I was one. I mean, I and that's not overstating it or or less than one. Um, I remember being around him as as a young man. obviously, don't remember the first time I met him, but I was, I grew up in the, in the back of the Cardinals broadcast booth. And then as I got a little bit older, grew up in the back of the visiting radio booth uh, in stadiums all across the country, which included a lot of Dodger stadium and being around uh, and being around that press box. So I guarantee you, he saw me when I was less than one year old. Um, But I, I remember being around him and and knowing just because of his presence and my dad's reverence for him and their friendship, which wasn't close, I'm not going to sit here and overstate that. Uh, but but reverence for Vin Scully uh, that that I was aware of him when I was you know a little boy.
1: One of the things about Scully that you hear from all sorts of broadcasters, in particular. Is just sort of how generous he was with his time and with people. You don't want to sort of make you don't want to make someone a saint because no one is a saint in real life. That said, um, the, this thing about him, at least from at least a dozen broadcasters that I've talked to in the past about Vince Scully, is that he would have time for broadcasters just to talk shop, to talk about, um, you know, he 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 understood who he was. But he was not – how do I sort of phrase this? But he was not so big that he could not converse with whomever that was. And I – at a certain point, and certainly when you're the World Series caller as you were, Joe, you you can probably interact with Vin. But I don't know. Do you have memories of being 18, 19, or 20? Like before you became known nationally where you might have talked to Vin or conversed with him because – uh, his reputation is such that he would kind of talk to anyone.
0: Yeah, I w- I was more of a fly on the wall. Um, when he would come into my dad's booth or vice versa, and and just watch the two of them interact. I never sat down and talked about broadcasting with Vin Scully, even when I was forty. Um, I I it was more, uh, and and I think there's there's reasons for that. I mean, I wasn't some young guy that you know came out of college and and was around a big league situation for the first time and trying to handle what it's like being down in a major league clubhouse and gathering information and knowing what you should share and what you should keep private, uh, you know, talking to being a conduit between fans and a specific team, which I got to do, as you said, for the Cardinals for a lot of years. I think he was aware that I, I had kind of a, my own master's class, uh, you know, driving to and from the park on Cardinal charters, uh, at the breakfast table with my own dad. So it, it was not like, you know, let's, let's talk broadcasting. I, th- I think it would have been awkward, you know, cause I, I, as a younger guy, I don't think I ever would have been around him. Uh, now I was later in life, but I don't think I would have ever been around him when my dad wasn't there. So I, I don't think he was trying to hijack that. And if I had a question, Uh, i would go to my dad but i kind of lived it so um but i know who you're talking about you know guys like brian anderson and joe davis and and different people that you know especially joe who stepped into kind of those shoes and had to navigate what that was like filling in for you know the all-time great so uh those are those are the stories that tell you what he was all about that you know, he he. there's no way somebody like Vin Scully could be threatened by by Joe Davis or anybody, but he wanted to give everything he had uh, to whoever was following in his footsteps. And in particular, it, it was Joe and uh, he welcomed him. He talked to him. Uh, that's your story to tell with Joe. But I, I know from talking to Joe Davis that, that Vin was very good to him, which it didn't have to be that way. And it was which tells you everything you need to know.
1: Joe, what um, to have Jack Buck and uh, Vince Scully uh, sort of together in a room or on a broadcast is unbelievable. I know this is hard for you to sort of be objective given that you are Jack's son, but this would be, again, for a baseball fan, like two iconic figures uh, conversing. Um, As a fly on the wall, what do you remember about your dad and Vince Scully just sort of going back and forth?
0: You know, I think the the first thing that comes to mind is how different they were. Um, You know, Vin... I I could I could describe Vin from from my own measure of distance uh, as as opposed to my dad. My dad was uh, how do you say this? My dad was a little more gruff. My dad was the guy that was in the in the press box lunchroom, like telling jokes that probably weren't appropriate, and uh, you know thinking about what bar he was going to. Not not in a bad way, but to go hang and be around. You know, whoever manager, player, other broadcasters, sports writers, umpires, whatever. Vin was not that way. Vin, at least in my all I can give you is my experience. Vin was was a was a much more private person. My and and so, you know, you're talking about somebody obviously in Vin that that bridged the gap between Brooklyn and L.A. and and was there to describe Dodger baseball to this great little hamlet in Brooklyn uh and and then made the switch to you can't get any bigger than Los Angeles and and became absolutely beloved as he as he described Dodger baseball and I'm sure in many instances educated baseball fans on on you know what the game was really all about and what a baseball fan should or shouldn't be listening for when they were listening to a broadcast or you can the, the cool thing I I think you can always hear with a team's local announcer is without even knowing the score and and this is, you know, a long time ago when people were living and dying by the radio, you could almost tell if the team was winning or losing by the tone of the voice of the person calling the play by play. I could with my dad, I could with Mike Shannon, his longtime partner, if I just flipped on the radio and I'm sure Dodger fans could tell just by the the spark or the, you know, the, the, the different feel that a broadcast would have if the Dodgers were trailing. But I, um, you know, they, they were just different type people. And, and I just remember, you know, he had his own lunchroom in the Dodger press box, uh, toward the end, uh, his best friend was Billy Delury who was a long time, uh, traveling secretary. Uh, you know, you need somebody to, as those guys would say, bomb around with on the road. And Billy was his guy. Uh, he had, I, I think a good relationship with players, but I think everything was kind of at arm's length. Um, and, and he was he just kind of kept to himself. And, you know, as you know, he had one of the most powerful agents in the history of agenting Ed Hook And if, if somebody from NBC had something to say to Vin, they kind of had to go through Ed to get to Vin. So I, he, you know, my, my dad was just a different kind of guy. So, you know, you're talking about somebody who watched Roy Campanella play every day. And then in my dad, you, a guy who idolized and watched Stan Musial and Bob Gibson and Lou Brock and. You can go down an incredible list with Koufax and Drysdale and Wills and all these players for the Dodgers. I mean, it, it, these were two encyclopedias coming together for baseball history, and you know whatever they talked about. Just to hear their voices discussing stuff off the air was fascinating to me. Let alone what they were, even what the topic was.
1: Yeah, that's a that's 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 a great remembrance. Um, then. I, he's probably the most famous, certainly most famous baseball broadcaster to do to do calls solo right to do calls without a uh an analyst. You are someone obviously who's worked with um an analyst certainly at the national level uh for as long as obviously I've uh watched you or written about you, you know whether it's Tim McCarver or John Smoltz or you know whomever in you know, Verducci era um as technically or as sort of as a technician, Joe what well, what are your observations about a guy who who did all this storytelling on his own not playing off someone it's that to me is it, thinking about it in a 2022 construct it's incredible
0: it's yeah. mind blowing it's absolutely mind blowing now when you do local radio which i did for a long time you know let's just say if you're not calling the play by play the color guy whether it was my dad or mike shannon might disappear for about two innings and you're sitting there by yourself anyway um so but it's different you know on tv and it was different because he did that to the basically to the bitter end and you know there are times even as a younger announcer where it's just like my god this inning will not end my god this you know this is taking forever and just never let it sag he never let it just get away from him which always just i i had so much admiration for for a thousand different reasons about vin but i think you just hit the nail on the head with me to be able to weave those stories in and and to be able to do the stories that he did which would sometimes take two or three at bats it's probably better to not have somebody sitting there because I would always feel the urge to get somebody like that. Whoever's next to be involved. He didn't have to worry about that, but the train of thought, the word smithing, which is not a word, uh, the ability to just command the English language. And I think the overall knowledge of things outside of baseball, I, I think that's the thing that, that helped him so much. Like my dad when he and here i am talking about my dad again but when he opened the paper in the morning he started in the front section went to the lifestyle went to the classified ads and then oh by the way read the sports i feel like you know for me i'd rip right to the sports and i'd read the sports page front to back but my dad vin kind of those older guys the guys who lived through world war ii i think they had a a a real thirst for knowledge about the world around them and i think that was kind of the the ace in the hole for that generation because they had a breadth of knowledge that i don't i certainly don't uh, so i'm not going to condemn anybody else but i i don't know that the younger generation has so he can tell a story about the history of how the American flag was made in and around a John Shelby at bat, or he can tell these stories that aren't just about spin rate and exit velocity. There there's more there. And that's what makes those guys so great. So that that's the overall experience you got with a lot of these guys. Like my dad was best during a rain delay because he would talk to whoever came through the booth and it was fascinating it was like it was like the tonight show and and he thrived in that situation then the same way because you could sit a senator down there or a scout or you know a rodeo clown and they would talk to they would make it interesting to talk to there's just such a there's such an intelligence there that i just don't know uh, either people don't have it or they're not willing to show it in the social media era
1: That's well said. Yeah. So a couple things there you just sort of keyed off. One, I mean, Vin will never be duplicated, but he really can't be duplicated in that the guys, if I'm right about this, his first year as a broadcaster, he saw Connie Mack, who was still a manager. (laughs) And then his career goes to Mike Trout. So it's it's essentially just think about the guy connects to the beginnings of baseball Yeah, whenever Connie Mack started, you know. The, the modern beginnings of baseball, I should say, to Mike Trout, one of the stars of the game today. So that in itself is and incredible. It ke- and, and it then, kept,
0: Richard, yeah. it kept those guys young. I, I saw, again, guilty, but my dad had diabetes and Parkinson's and all these things that he was dealing with. But after taking a nap, damn it, at three o'clock in the afternoon, he was in his car going down to Bush Stadium and he couldn't wait to get there. And he'd sit in the clubhouse and he'd listen to rap music He'd listen to country music. He'd talk to players. He, The Cardinal trainer would give him his insulin injection before he'd go up to do the game. And he loved being around players and being around that game. And it kept him, even through all these maladies, as young as any 75-year-old could be, young at heart. And I think that probably, without having ever asked him, applied to Vin Scully because, yeah, he saw Connie Mack, but he also saw a young sandy koufax and he saw a young don drysdale then he saw don drysdale the broadcaster then he was ripping through all those teams of the 70s and into the 80s and that run of rookies of the year that the dodgers had and there's there's always a new crop coming along of talent and interesting people with interesting stories and he wanted to get in there and learn all about that so he was on this treadmill but it was always he always hit the refresh button So he he wasn't stuck on Connie Mack. He was talking about Raul Mondesi and where he comes from or Mark Lemke and how he learned how to switch hit for the Atlanta Braves. And all that new information just kept his brain churning and, and kept everything fresh. So it's an unbelievable way. I saw it firsthand. It's an unbelievable way for older announcers to stay relevant, fresh and young at heart. And, and that's, That's why these guys don't ever want to give it up because they're around kids and and they're telling their story.
1: Yeah. Well, now I can't get past uh, Jack Buck listening to Tupac and Biggie. It's true. I mean, yeah.
0: And I I would be fascinated. He's like, like, Dad, what do you think of that? it has got a nice beat. You know, that's just (laughs) what he would say.
1: So you mentioned, um, you know, I wanted to ask you if you had a favorite Vin call. And um, last night I listened to... um, the call of Koufax's perfect game in 1965, which is essentially poetry. It's like nine minutes of pure poetry. If anybody hasn't listened to this, um, I, most younger people probably know the the Kirk Gibson call, etc. The Koufax perfect game call is it's unbelievable. It's just it's I think maybe the greatest baseball call of all time. But you said something, Joe, that stuck with me, and I just wanted to. Sort of read this and 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 have you think about it because you totally nailed it on the sort of the commentary of the day when um, Henry Aaron broke Babe Ruth's record. Um, so this is Vince Scully. What a marvelous moment for baseball! What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia! What a marvelous moment for the country and the world! A black man is getting a standing ovation in the Deep South for breaking the record of an all-time baseball idol, and it is a great moment for all of us. That's really beautiful. And I think in 2022, announcers would be scared shitless to say something like that. Could
0: not agree more. Uh, And that's, it's kind of a shame. Um, Why is that? If that's the next question, I I think social media, the way everybody's divided. I mean, first of all, you could read that a thousand times and nobody should have any issue with anything that was said. I mean, it's, it's beautiful and it's so right and so appropriate. For the moment and so much bigger than the moment and bigger it gives you the full sense of what's happening so i agree with you a hundred percent on both counts it's beautiful it's poetry it's apropos it's magnificent and yet who wants to walk down that path right now and start bringing these days with social media and it's just the way it is and, and i can't fix it i, I wish i could but you know you go back to some of the stuff that the Harry carries and the Ernie Harwells and my dad and Bob Prince who was really out there on the edges um you know and Vin and stuff that they said there were there were historical notes and there were things but everybody is just so quick to react and go wait I heard something about race in there and I and I I gotta I gotta come up with a tweet or I got and then you gotta live with the fallout of something that who in the hell could have any issue with what he said there? So I I, I agree. I, I just feel like we're at a different time. And things it, it you know, I I I came into this with my book when I wrote my when I wrote my book, and somebody I I kind of alluded to some of the stuff that my dad used to say and said, you know, it, it was just a different time. And a writer who was reviewing my book or whatever said, Well, it seems like you're kind of wistful for these times, you know, with with things that he was saying. And you know are you saying it was better i'm saying- I said I'm not saying you know I'm not making this a moment for you right now, by the way, writer, not you Richard, but writer. I'm just saying it was different and and nobody can argue that no, i i you can't argue that
1: the um you know you 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 ugh. I was trying to figure out a way to sort of ask you this. I, I, whatever. I'll, I'll just ask it. It won't be elegant, but you'll understand where I'm coming from. For many years, Joe, you were the voice of the World Series. You're the voice of the All-Star Game. So you're doing far and away the most prominent baseball games on television. And while Vince Scully um, did not have, like, the same amount of World Series calls that you did on television or the same amount of All-Star calls, like, ultimately, he's always going to be thought of as the most iconic voice in the sport that you were doing. So again, I don't really know how to ask this, but like, did you, I don't know. Were you, did you think about him or were you feeling him at all when you were doing the world series? Because ultimately, even if you can't get to that standard, that's like the standard, you know what I mean? That is the standard in
0: your sport. Well, it's a totally, he spoke a totally different language than I speak. than then my dad spoke. I mean, I, I don't do games like Vin Scully. So it's, it's comparing apples to oranges. Um, I, I don't, I, I've i never tried to do a game that way. Did I have him in mind? All the time. Did, did whenever we did a Dodger game, did I make sure I went over and, and said hello and, and give him a little, you know, hug? Yes, absolutely. Did I, you know, talk about him at the end of the Dodgers winning the World Series uh, two Octobers ago and and thinking of him basically just before the final pitch? of that world series win over Tampa Bay. Yeah. Because as I said, then, and I say now for somebody to devote their life to that, you know, and, and bridging all those different generations of players and, and introducing all these greats uh, either locally or nationally to baseball fans. He was right in the front of my mind and I wanted to make him know, cause I knew he was watching. I wanted to make him know I was thinking about him. As that World Series was about to end in Game Six, and and that was, and I was so glad that because of how the ninth inning went, I had time to do that. But I've never tried to be—I've I've never tried to be my dad, and I'm sure as hell never tried to be Vin Scully. So, you know, there, there's a romantic element to this in that this was at a different time. I I do remember my dad and Vin talking about the vitriol that fans get when the national guy shows up and believe it or not, that happened to Vin Scully. I know that's hard for people to imagine. It happened sure as heck to my dad. I saw the letters of people, you know, basically mailing stuff to our house. And my dad and Vin talked about that, about how, you know, whether it was 88 and he's the Dodgers icon and now he's calling the Dodgers against the A's and Kirk Gibson hits this incredible home run and A's fans are like, well, of course he's excited. He's the Dodgers announcer. Or, you know, Red Sox fans with the roller up along the first baseline that gets past Bill Buckner. That stuff always is, existed. But prior to the advent of social media, you know, it's kind of it's in a different category. So, I, you know, I I just tried to make my calls when I was doing it highlight the action say what happened get out of the way vin was in a different category and you know as we've already stated he's the best to ever do it he did it at a time when you could say and do a little bit more and and i was well aware of that from from a young age so i i yeah i i tip my cap and know that I don't measure up, and that's fine with me. I, that, that doesn't bother me at all. He's the all-time greatest to do it, and that's coming from not only somebody who did it, but the son of somebody who did it for 50 years and is in the Hall of Fame. So I, my, my dad would say the same thing.
1: One of the things I always appreciated from you, um, and actually Fox, too, here, um, Well, Vince Scully never took the offer up, You were always gracious and always very, very sort of public to say, if he ever wants to do a World Series game, we would love to have him and and I will step aside. Very, the thing I I loved, I mean, I love many things about Scully, but the thing that was really classically Scully was that he thought it would cheapen. The broadcast. If a guy like him parachuted into the booth, of course it would not. He's it, would not it would not, and
0: everybody would have loved it. I, I, th- but he,
1: but, but it was interesting. You know, what I'm saying that he thought he did not want to be the person to do that, and I don't know if maybe behind the scenes it ever got close. But I remember talking to you about this years. I ago. I tried to
0: go through intermediaries I, yeah. to get him to do it, and I said, yeah. you know, we'll make it as easy as possible, and and for an older man and I saw this with my dad, I saw this with others that I've worked with, being in an unfamiliar situation on national TV, I don't care who you are, is not a comforting feeling. So you're talking about somebody coming in. This is why I think he didn't really want to do it. You're you're coming into a completely foreign situation. And now somebody's talking in your in your ear. You have no idea who the hell that is. You're working with director that you don't typically work with and and you're working with an analyst that you've never worked with and, and what have you, but just that voice and that cadence and that rhythm and that ability to, to just weave stories in and whatever would have been so great. And I would have left. I would, have, I, if he showed up ever and said, I'll do an inning, I would have been in the lunchroom watching it. I wouldn't have been hovering. I would have been gone. And, and I, I went through a couple people, a director that he worked with, um, Steve Byme, uh, who did golf with us at Fox. Other people, uh, heck, Brad Zager, I believe I talked to, who was my most recent boss at Fox. One of them who worked with the Dodgers and was close with Vin. I'm like, we're not making this a circus, but people want to hear you on on national television. I'm 53, so it's hard for people of a certain age to believe. That at one point in our history, the only games that were on TV every day were TBS and WGN, so Cubs, Braves in reverse order there. And if your team showed up on the game of the week and Vin Scully and Joe Gargiola for me were talking about the Cardinals and Ozzie Smith and Tommy Herr and all you know, the guys that I grew up watching and knew, and I was I was planted in front of the television. I didn't go to the ballpark those days cuz I wanted to watch those guys call the games. And and that it's just a different it's just so different now with all these games that are on, but I was like if if I could somehow because I I saw it in my own home, pay homage to somebody who is that great and let them take my spot, man, that that would be in the weirdest way one of the highlights of my career. And and so people were like, oh, you don't let Vin do it. You know, people in LA would write that to let Vin Scully call an inning or call a game. I'm like, yes, please. I, I was not fi- I was hoping for it, but it just I understand why he didn't want to do it. And uh I just wish he had.
1: Yeah. same I appreciate that the um the context of that. That's that's interesting. I have three more for you before uh, before I let you go. Anything in your um in your home, that's uh, that's from Vin. Some kind of memorabilia or anything like that that stands out.
0: No, um, I wish you know that's probably something that I should have done, um, considering how much I was around him. Uh, as 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 I said, as a young boy or, or as a contemporary, I remember one of the first games that I did with Tim on Fox. It might have been our first game over the air. Was at Shea Stadium. Might have been our very first game that he and I ever did in 1996, and uh, Tim said something on the air about Vin not being there. It was it was Dodgers Mets, and Vin was there, and so Tim was wrong. <laughs> and either a note came into the booth or Vin came into the booth. and was like, "Hello, Tim," uh, you know, like I'm here, and <laughs> and Tim was like, I-, "I said earlier that I'm not going to do." my tim mccarver impersonation but but what he said and i'll never forget it i said vin scully wasn't here maya culpa maya culpa maya maxima culpa and he was like he is here he's here at the ballpark and then we show vin and whatever but yeah I, i wish you hadn't asked me that because i i now wish that i had had him sign something you know to me or us or you know whatever but i never did
1: do you um recall the last like sort of significant interaction you had with him?
0: Yeah, it was in the media lunchroom at Dodger Stadium. Uh, came up and probably freaked him out by giving him a hug. Uh, but uh yeah, I just said hello. I kind of left him alone. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. I, I I felt always like I was intruding and and maybe I was, maybe I wasn't. Um He had that little room back off the dining room at Dodger stadium. And I just felt weird going in there. So I, you know, I, I would go in, I'd say my hello. Uh, and I mean, my God, the Dodgers are in the postseason every year. So whatever his last season was, um, yeah, I, I saw him that year I went in, I said, hello. Uh, I was with Steve Horn who works with me. Um, and, you know, he he was so brilliant. He rem- You know, he knew St- Steve was at NBC with Costas, so he knew Steve from then, too. But, hello, Steve. You know, he, he just, he would be the one to say hi to Steve. And, uh, you know, we just kind of said hi and got out of his way. So I, I, I didn't hang around much.
1: And then the last thing is just, is there something I didn't ask you that you just, you wanted to recall or that uh, you want to say? I mean, we could obviously do, like, five hours on Vince Scully, but open-ended for you as a uh,
0: yeah i just close. i just wonder and i was talking about this with my mom and and maybe i could ask you this is this it is, is he the last is he the last guy that and and i know i'm forgetting people and 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 there's only one vin but i mean of that old guard of the guys that i mentioned earlier harwell carrie prince my dad you know these guys and then vin you know guys who they made their name vin is a tv guy you know it, depending on how old you are he's he's a tv star and a tv announcer but still that guy who had the relationship over the radio. I saw it, again, doing it, but I'm going to say it anyway. These people become part of families. I-, I saw it with my dad. You know, people cut the lawn and listen to the Cardinal game. People, you know, are sneaking the ra- transistor radio under their pillow and listening to the Cardinals, e- even when they're kids and the Cardinals are out west. Well, that happened with the Dodgers, and people live their lives, the Dodger fans and even the casual ones. Then Scully that that beautiful sound of his voice triggered something in their head and and made them i'm sure for people of a certain age it brings them right back to their childhood or being in the backseat of their mom or dad's car and it's on and it's it's there there's a very personal relationship with these people that you know aren't a part of your family but for some reason kind of feel like they are and i so again you know, when my dad died, I, I got bags of letters of people pouring their hearts out to me about my dad and what my dad meant to their childhood, or you know, they were at their wedding and everybody snuck outside and listened to the end of the cardinal game in October of 1985 or whatever it might be. And and now you you that's gonna go on for Vin. People will have these very personal reactions to the passing of this man because he was the soundtrack to their life in the summer and the spring and sometimes in the fall and you know it's just a very it's a beautiful thing and and it's i just wonder how many are left and and i if if this is the last of, of that era of people because they're also available in the community and they're raising money and they're, they're promoting the team. And back in those days, you know, I, I, the number it's in the thousands, maybe the tens of thousands of appearances Vin Scully made on behalf of the Brooklyn Dodgers and the LA Dodgers to promote the team and show up and get them into the community. And I just, I just wonder how many, if any, are left.
1: I think, that's well said, and I think he's the end of an era. I mean, there are there are national figures in other sports like Al Michaels and Mike Emmerich who um, are the best of their sure. sort of craft and I think really admired, but it's different. Baseball's different because it's, it's day, di-
0: after day, after yeah. day after day after right. day after
1: day after and, day. And I mean, it's sort of a cynical statement, Joe, but I imagine you agree with me. I, I think Vince Scully may be the last... Sports broadcaster who like is universally beloved. Now, obviously, there's always going to be outliers who crack on Vin Scully, which says more about the outliers than Vince. Scully. But I don't know if that's longevity or his brilliance or that he, like you said, sort of represents a time past. But it does feel like some kind of era ends with Vin. I, I, I don't, agree. I agree with that. I, I don't I agree see, with that 100. Yeah, percent I don't. I don't see. I. I. I just. There's no one. I mean, Charles Barkley, you can make the argument, is the most famous sports broadcaster alive today, like if that, as a weird sort of sentence, but I think that's probably true in terms of name recognition or, or identification, and it will be different. And it just, there's not going to be, you're not going to feel the way about, I think, anyone else nationally as what we're seeing with Vin. So in many ways, I, I agree with you. Like yesterday felt like the end of something.
0: Because it happens, it means more. I think this is just my opinion locally to Dodger fans, as much as we all miss the time. And this is somebody who did I, a bunch I of agree. World Series. And I grew up with Vin Scully doing the World Series on television. I grew up with Vin Scully doing the game of the week on television. It was a big freaking deal, but locally and what he meant and, you know, pull up a chair, we're just getting started, and just kind of the tried and true, the Farmer John ads and all the different things that he would say, it was just like a Pavlovian response, like, ah, as a Dodger fan, I'm just, and, and believe me, I'm, I'm Dodger fans all, you know, th- because I'm not Scully, and I g- I've called him in the postseason a thousand times, <laughs> you know, they all think, I'm yeah. not representing myself as that, but I just imagine that those key phrases are just triggers to a response to like all is right in the world. I'm gonna relax and listen to the Dodger game. and And so locally, and it's massive because it's Los Angeles, it means even more than it does for those of us who loved him nationally.
1: Joe, I can't thank you enough uh, for this. this was really really phenomenal. Uh, Joe Buck is the uh, ESPN Monday Night Football by play broadcast, you'll see him uh, very soon in fact with Troy Aikman but uh, for the purposes of this podcast reflecting on Vince Scully and he mentioned just how um, how much his dad Jack Buck interacted with uh, with Vin and again Joe's um, one of the few people on earth who if nothing else uh, has sat in a similar seat than Vin did when it came to uh, national uh, games of importance in baseball Joe man uh, continue uh if you are uh, taking a little bit of time off before the NFL starts with your, uh, with your summer and uh, absolutely look forward to seeing you and Troy on uh, Monday Night Football on, uh, on ESPN. Thanks, uh, thanks for popping on today. It was very, very biggie to make some time to do this.
0: He'll be missed, but he'll uh, also be celebrated. Amen.
1: Joe Buck, everyone. Thank you, Joe. Yep, thanks. Alright, uh, back in the studio. My thanks to Joe Buck, man. This was very big of him just to pop on. Uh, he made some time. He certainly did not have to do that, but uh, but he was great. I mean that again. He Joe Buck is really a, a living connection to to Vince Scully, just given his dad and you know, and and Vin and Jack Buck obviously are contemporaries. So my thanks to Joe Buck. If you uh, like these kind of podcasts and stories, please leave us a five star review and a and a nice note uh, wherever you get your podcasts. It's very helpful. Um, haven't done a ton of emergency ones, but. Uh, when the news warrants it uh we decide to do and then head to the archives though. i won't go through the list of stuff but there, there should be conversations on there that uh that are of interest to you all right my thanks to patrick antonetti doing multiple podcasts this week thanks for all his help thank you to everybody at cadence 13 and a shout out to sean cherry for uh helping me out with my microphone stuff and uh and of course thank you for listening we'll see you soon on the sports
0: media podcast